don't want any of our guests to feel strange about hugging us. You know what I mean? Ooh. And hugging others and, and just dancing with whoever you want to dance with on the dance floor, not having any qualms about it and not worrying about like your grandmother or your aunt or anybody that might have an autoimmune disease or, you know, what won't be allowed um, until much later this season is, you know, coming from the catering in are buffets and family style. Uh, you know, you, can you just imagine <laughs> going, you know, leaving a uh, COVID-19 and Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wedding Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, Gene, the wedding coach. Uh, the purpose of the show is to help engage couples, plan a fun, entertaining, most importantly, stress-free wedding. Uh, I'm super excited to have Erin uh, on this episode with super you. excited to be here. Yep. You're the boss weddings and events. Uh, you know, I think that you're one of the number one catering companies in the Hudson Valley area. You do a lot of events. I know you have a, an enormous amount of, uh, of information and knowledge when it comes to uh, when it comes to doing weddings. Before I kind of bend, Erin, do you want to kind of let everybody know who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Erin Pasquale. I own a company called You're the Boss Weddings and Events. I've been in this industry now 16 or so years. I've owned restaurants. I've bartended at um, high volume bars and uh, restaurants. I've maitre d' down in the city. I've I've worked and managed hotels. So I've definitely done every aspect of hospitality and um, had this business since 2014, but completely solely focused on this for exactly two years. So Erin, my first question, right? Um, sure. What, what what advice would you have for couples trying to plan their wedding, uh, you know, during this COVID-19 situation that we're in? Well, if you're, I would say if you already had a date planned for 2020, um, you just have to be realistic with it. And just, uh, there's a lot of guidelines coming out. Uh, I would say weddings, private events, we're in phase four, which is not necessarily written yet. Um, bars and restaurants are phase two, phase three. But there's going to be a lot of, you know, guidelines and rules. And you obviously want your guests safe. You want yourself safe. And, and, and you know, I've done well over 500 weddings at this point, And it's very hard to fathom a wedding where you might have to wear a mask or rules such as, you know, dancing six feet away from somebody. And that obviously affects, you know, the DJs. And, you know, <laughs> yourself and, you know uh, you're going to hear a lot of, what may seem crazy rules coming out, but just to kind of be patient with it, talk to your vendors, uh, see what the best place to take it. I, ha I have a ton of clients who are post and I also have a ton of clients who are still getting married on their day, but going much smaller and then doing a big party next year. I am officially a an efficient of weddings now. So <laughs> I've been able to kind of navigate, uh, that and to be able to make sure that my clients still get married this year and then do the big party that they want next year. So you, you, you were talking a little bit about phase four. Can you dive into that a little bit? Sure. Uh, so phase two and three are basically restaur restaurants and bars opening. 
um, with restaurants going first and then the bar service going second. Um, within each bar and restaurant, they have their own level of phases. So for example, phase one of a restaurant opening at phase two, is, sorry, it gets a little confusing, but phase one would be like, uh, you know, you only eat, you could eat at a restaurant, but you only eat with people that you've been sheltering in place with. Um, tables are six feet apart. Uh, your servers and are only at your table very, you know, very quick to just drop off the food and, and go back. Um, you can't, at this part in time, you won't be able to actually sit at a bar yet and be in front of a bartender. Um, it's, you can order your drink, get your drink and go to a specific seat for yourself. Uh, the phase two of that is, you know, uh, having people at your table more than six people, um, possibly eating with someone you haven't sheltered with like a friend or um, people you haven't seen in a while. Uh, eventually it's going to get back up to the point where we can have private events, you know, starting right now, you can only have an, a, you know, a gathering for less than 10 people. It's going to eventually get, you know, 20, 25, 50, um, you know, hundred, who knows at this point right now when they're going to be able to let, like, I've got weddings where there's 250 people. Um, it, it all is going to be based on the scientific, uh, data that comes back from all of their research and all of the, the cases at that given time. So there's really never going to be like, you know, on this day, we're going to, we're going to let people, uh, hang out. Uh, more than 50, 50 to 100 people, they're not going to release that right now. They're going to kind of wait um, every few weeks till we can eventually get back to some sort of normalcy. So how do you think the, wait, let me, let me back up a little bit. So, cause, cause you, you, you said a lot there, right? So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the way we shut down is the way we're going to open up, right? So, oh, absolutely. Right before we shut down, it was, I think we were no, nobody uh, more than 50 people. Then it went down to, mm -hmm. I think, 20. And then within a couple of days, it went down to 10. So, yeah, it's just basically a reversal of things. Restaurants are going to go open back up at like 25% capacity, then based on their, um, the zoning capacity, how many people you can fit in there, and then go to 50% capacity, and then, you know, eventually move their way up to what they consider full capacity. So, so, so with that being said, peak season for wedding for, for us would be like summertime, right? We're in May now, and then you've got fall, which is, I would say, I think is take is like the number one season. Yeah, in now, Hudson Valley, fall is the number one wedding season. Um, it's, it's tough to say because fall is also the start of another flu season, mm. like the, the normal flu season up here. Mm. Um, yeah, I've already, I would say between March and October of this year, I've already, uh, had over 120 events reschedule or cancel. Um, wow. that's just, it's the name of this industry. Like I typically do about a hundred weddings and about another thousand non-weddings. Um, but I've never experienced like a like numbers or phone calls where like we're gonna have to because a lot of people are scared. Um, and then I've got a, a ton of people who are booking for 2021 now, and mm. they're 
unaffected by anything. You know, like, let's just plan, let's just, and you know, that's great. A lot of people are still being incredibly optimistic. Um, a lot of people who have planned for this fall are, you know, they're in the mindset, like, we don't want any of our guests to feel strange about hugging us. You know what I mean? Ooh. And hugging others and, and just dancing with whoever you want to dance with on the dance floor, not having any qualms about it and not worrying about like your grandmother or your aunt or anybody that might have an autoimmune disease or, you know, what won't be allowed um, until much later this season is, you know, coming from the catering in are buffets and family style. Uh, you know, you, can you just imagine <laughs> going, you know, leaving uh, COVID-19 and now we have to, 150 people have to go on a buffet and share the same like service uh, or a family style. We are just passing plates from one person to the next. So there's definitely going to be uh, mandates on that and, you know, coming from the catering end, which is, you know, my best friend is a buffet. So, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, every caterer's like best scenario is a buffet. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a lot more manpower, a lot more cost to go on a, on a plate at dinner. But if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. So that you, you kind of are leading into my second question, because that <laughs> is going to be, you know, how do you see how do you see the catering industry changing post COVID? Right. So you said, um, you know, as far as there are definitely going to be guidelines regarding family style and buffet. Now, ha have those guidelines come out yet? Or are they no. still kind of... So okay. right now, I work with, um, or I've been working with a few different venues who are, like, experts at this and who, you know, do the catering every day. We've been all working together on documents to send to Albany about, you know, because we live this stuff. We, if we can get ahead of it, and if we can help write the rules, then it's going to be a little bit easier than being told that this is what we have to do when it's not necessarily how we run things every single day. And, you know, we want to make sure that if everybody else is on the same guidelines, it's going to be a lot easier to open. And even though, you know, venues might be in competition with each other, this is the time where we've all banded together. We just want you know, the events to come back and we want everyone to get back to the jobs. And, um, Cause if, if you can imagine like a place like Anthony's Pier 9, how many people they employ, they want to get, you know, how much food uh, do they output in a day? They want to get back into that because it, if they're open and they're functioning, the rest of the economy is opening and functioning. So, so can you elaborate a little bit on, um, you know, the market opens back up slightly, right? Slowly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's so funny because I was talking to a couple uh, yesterday and they were telling me, they were like, Gene, you know, um, I think our guest list is going to get cut to 50 people. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, been seeing a ton of them. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, they're like, you know, we don't want to uninvite people. So they're kind of like waiting to see what the governor does. And this is in yeah. Virginia, of course, right? You know, yeah. we, we, we're in New York, so it's a little bit different. But, um, you know, just, just to think that, you know, couples, you, you may only be allowed to have 50 people in a venue. Like, how do you, how do you kind of navigate yeah. through that? Exactly. And it obviously it changes your whole floor plan. It changes. Um, I think venues have to kind of get ahead of that thinking. And, yes, yes. you know, 
I'm sure a lot of venues already have their dedicated minimum where maybe the minimum is 75 people. And then what are you going to do? Like if the governor says 50 and these people still want to get married, are you going to charge them for 75? I hope not. You know, like I hope that venues, you know, they have to realize that you kind of have to give a little bit more to get a lot more in return. And, you know, you have to put on the best event possible for a couple that did not see this coming and, you know, that still want to have the event possible. Um, <clears throat> I know a lot of venues out there uh, have struggled with people rescheduling and then, you know, changing their dates and then lowering their minimums and still charging them for the, like the max amount they could possibly have. Um, you know, I know someone who, you know, was still having a wedding right before everything shut down. Um, the minimum was, I believe, 150 people on a Saturday at that time. Um, maybe 60 people showed up. They were charged for whatever, the 170 or 100. Wow. 150, yeah. So, you know, you could make or break in this industry based on any single choice you make. And yeah. you, you reputation is big in this industry. Yeah. Reputation yeah. is big. It's a, it's a, it's a small community. So, so you being the expert, let me ask you, how do you, how do you envision your first wedding, right? Like, do you see it being 50 people? Let's just, let's just say 75, yeah. right? Well, I'll, I so, will tell you that. Um, so our first wedding this season was scheduled for May 8th. Obviously that's come and gone and has not happened. They rescheduled for later in the year. Um, I would say our next wedding scheduled to be like what hopefully is over a hundred people, I think is late August. I think that group is starting to base the decision on what happens next week in the state of New York. But I will tell you my first wedding uh, of the season will actually be on May 29th. Um, it, it wasn't a scheduled wedding to begin with. Um, it was, they were scheduled to get married June 20th and it was supposed to be a big wedding at their home so now that they've only they've changed everything around um and it's only going to be five people and I'm actually officiating and making the cake uh where I was you know just supposed to be like decorating or something like that and doing the cake as well and um we're just gonna make the best of it and you know these are you find out a lot of people I mean when you go through something like COVID-19, you find out from a lot of couples what really means the most to them with their wedding. And you'll find that, you know, hey, we're willing to wait or we want, we want to get married right away and we don't care about all the bells, the whistles, the, we just want to be together. So you're, you're seeing some really good types of people. Um, thankfully, I haven't seen the, the type of that could possibly come out where they're like, you know, um, this all happened and I want everything exactly the same as, and my wedding date better still happen as it is. Uh, I thankfully have not seen that. Um, I think people are starting to experience different scenarios. A lot of my clients, I would say half of them are from the Hudson Valley. I've got some in Colorado, California, um, a lot in New York City. And obviously the ones in New York City are seeing the brunt of this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you know, we're willing to wait. Let's just move this to a time where we can all celebrate. Um, yeah. We're, you know, people for the most part live together already, so they're kind of already married in that sense. Um, so 
they're looking forward to just having, they just want friends and family together. Um, you see all the things that, like I said, you see all the things that they once wanted, all the bells, the whistles, and they're like, you know what, we just want to have a good time. Um, thankfully, I get a lot of clients like that. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, go, go ahead, Erin, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, what I've definitely seen is nobody wants a wedding where everyone has to wear a mask, where, you know, you're only can dance with the person you live with. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, they want to cut a rug on the dance floor. They want to, you know, I'm sure you as a DJ want to see people go crazy on the dance floor. And it, you want to be able to go to an event where there's no over looming rules or, you know, you're afraid that someone from the venue is going to be like, Oh, you can't do that. You, you must be dancing. I can't happen. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, the, the, the twenties, the thirties again, you know, <laughs> they don't want to go back to that. A wedding, a wedding. I look at wedding uh, and three, you know, three important things. Number one, friends and family. Yep. Number two, the food and alcohol. And number three, the music. Absolutely. Right? I mean, um, it's the biggest things that create the atmosphere. And if they have to worry about any of that stuff and rules on top of it, I think it stresses people out. And, and, and planning a wedding is already stressful, right? It's yeah. already, you know, time consuming and a lot of logistics involved, a lot of money that's mm -hmm. invested. And you, you know, some of the couples that I've talked to that's pushed their wedding back to 2021, they're like, Gene, listen, my stress level has like gone way down, right? Because I'm not yeah. trying to worry and maneuver and, and try to, you know, who's coming, who can't come. And so, you know, it's, it's something for couples to really think about, right? Like if you want to reduce your stress. I've had some couples, right? Yesterday I was talking to a couple. They already got married, right? So they're already mm -hmm. married. That part's already done with, right? They moved their wedding back. And so now, you know, that once again, that stress level is not there. Yeah. That, that anxiety just the day. is not yeah. there. Yeah, they're just, you know, trying to make it through. So I'm, I'm trying to get like a, I'm trying to get like a visual picture, right? So your first wedding comes out, um, you said phase four, obviously phase four, they're not going to say, okay, 150 people, right? Yeah. Um, it'll probably be like, I don't know, let's just make up a number. Let's just say 50, right? Yeah. And once again, where this is, this is, uh, this is an assumption, right? It's not a fact, but let's just say 50 people, right? So um, do you envision tables being six feet apart like they, yeah. like, like they're doing with the bars? Uh, so, so kind of walk me through, you know, yeah, what you... So I envision tables still being six feet apart, which isn't, which isn't that hard in a venue space. Um, like you're in a space that's meant to be, let's say 250 people and, you know, the government will roll back that number. So in a, if it's a space meant for 250 people, like what I typically do over at uh, Otterkill, um, I would say, then they would say your max capacity is, is 50. But if you have that square footage, you can really like nicely fill a room without it being too awkward. Um, you know, you definitely don't need something so abrasive as, you know, putting markers on the floor, like tape markers and be like, okay, this is where this table goes. This, you can kind of make it look really elegant still. Um, and probably less people at each table so that, you know, no more tables of like 16 where the long tables are until you get a little right, later right, into right. the year. Um, probably like 10 or less or even eight would would be feasible and you know if you think about a wedding anyway and I do a lot of seating uh, and floor plans 
you're putting people together who normally would either live together, know each other, uh, siblings, aunts, uncles, or coworkers or something like that. Here's where we might have to tweak things a little bit, you know, especially if obviously if they're coworkers, they probably haven't been working with each other for a few months now. But if every, if people are back in the office together at that point, depending on your, your, your job, then it's not going to be so bad, you know? No, and, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So what I was saying, who knows what the man, what the mandatory like mask wearing might be. Obviously there are no masks when it comes time to eat. So I think it's just, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You could yeah. put a hole in the mask though. You could put a you know, and eating and drinking and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it'll just be, you know, you kind of have to roll with the punches or if you just don't see this being, you know, not what you want, then, you know, there is no harm in moving things next year. And hopefully your vendors have, hopefully you, you're working with someone who, a vendor who has a really good contract. Um, and I would probably say that's been like a tough thing to swallow for a lot of vendors because uh, a lot of people didn't have, not, not us, but, you know, obviously I take on a lot of wedding planning clients um, where all their other vendors don't have a clause in it about postponement or cancellations and stuff like that. So hopefully you have a, you know, a really good team of vendors who know what they're doing and, you know, have those clauses in them and then you could just move everything to the next year. So do you think venues would require people to, for them to get their temperature checked before they walk into the venue? Um, I know it's, it's a, I know for the venues, it's more of a, one, it, it's ease of liability. Like there's not so, so that you just don't want someone to say, or like someone who was at your event saying, you know, I caught the coronavirus from that venue. You know, right. if it, you know what I mean, and I hate to say this, but in this day and age, people kind of just look for anything. Right. Um, not everybody, but there's always one in every couple group. of thousand. <laughs> yeah. well, I I don't want to say one in every group, but one in yeah. every you know, one in every bit. Um, I know some restaurants already have in place or are going to have in place the well, soon it's like a lasers that kind of just scan someone. Um, as you walk in so it's not so invasive so it's not like someone you know put holding uh, like one of those uh, temperature guns to your forehead or something like that right. and it just oh, there's a slight alarm that goes off if, if anyone has a fever but the hard part Ooh. about this thing is it's like you know I mean not like where it's not like nah, 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 you know it's not like a huge alarm <laughs> but it's so up on a screen you know like that person and right. then, you know you hope that the world is adult enough to stay home if they don't feel well and you know what's hard about this coronavirus is that a lot of it is asymptomatic <clears throat> you know so is temperatures enough i don't know you know but i know that if a venue or even a vendor is taking the right precautions and taking their own temperatures and just kind of you know wearing gloves when they need to wearing masks when they need to i think um the liability is just a little bit less um as long as they you know have their own practices i think that should be enough for now i, I mean i would imagine that um the venues and caterers halls would definitely at least want to test their employees that are working absolutely right? yeah because 
viruses can spread through handling of food and you know we all know that you know so out out there (laughs) so let's uh let's switch a little bit and talk about budgeting for for a caterer right so um your average wedding and it's a little bit different in new york than it is in uh, virginia new york what would you say the average wedding is in new york Uh, 150 200 are we saying oh like guest count or price yes uh guest count i would say like 150 yeah and so what should what should a couple expect or what should they budget for and i know it depends on the type of food that they get right but like realistically what because i know that the 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 venue and the and the food will take up most of your budget yeah yeah and and then because like we were talking about big things like the venue the food and the music are i would say the most important um and because it and the photographer we can't forget our photographer is a name yeah photographers are important i have a ton of photographer friends but they are very much a a personal choice i think um i'm saying i'll go back to this so photographers videographers photo booths um vendors like that it's i know a lot of people change in budget I'm a huge fan of having all three, but I think what makes the the atmosphere the best is the first three, like the the venue, the caterer, um, and the music. So what I've I've seen the the trend where people are spending, you know, they're covering those bases, and when it comes to photography and videography, <coughs> it's tough because you know, what you consider an amazing photographer, the next person may have a different view because it's just all about how you perceive your pictures to be. If you can, and I always tell my clients, um, look at your, look at their pictures, stalk these photographers. (laughs) If you can envision your wedding photos to look like that and for you and your fiance to look like that, because, you know, there's different filters, there's different lightings, and you also have to really get along with and be really comfortable with a photographer because they are in your face all day long. And same thing with a videographer. If you can do this, then I think you should spend the money on it. Um, I'm definitely against not, ha- like, for people who choose not to have a photographer, I get a li- I voice my opinion. I'm like, do not do that. You have to have one. There's, you're going to regret not having any photos of this day even if it's candids and whatnot, you know? So, so regarding... Okay, sorry, going back to the... No, 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 you're good, you're good. Um, I would say, you know, most venues around here are, like I would say, the average price per, wet, per plate. Venues around here, and I, I have packages from every venue in Orange County because I have couples that get married in every venue in Orange County. I, I don't just do the catering, but I do planning as well. Um, I would say they venture from like a hundred to 200 plates. So let's just call it at 150, 150 per person. Um, your budgets are different. Uh, yes, it's, 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 it's a tough thing when you go to budgeting because you also have to be very real about your guest list. If you're saying I've got 250 people here, but I only have this certain amount of money to spend. So that means by that math. I can only spend $45 a plate. I'm going to tell you. Not, not, not happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not happening. Uh, exactly. 
because <laughs> at the end of the day, you're still getting like all these courses. It's yeah. usually your, your venue and your catering also pays for the staff that has to work there for the setup, the cleanup, for the, like the linens, you know, the person, the, the entire kitchen staff, the people who have to wash the plates and the, you know, people just don't realize that it, it definitely adds up. But I think you have to be really good with your guest list. Um, take out the people who you don't necessarily think about. I always tell clients, think about the first 50 people that you would definitely want at your wedding and then go from there. Yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's amazing, Erin. Not only are you a caterer and an officiant, but then you also throw the wedding planning in there, right? So you yeah, kind of like... I was always a wedding planner first. <laughs> I started learning how to cook. Um, so I kind of got that aspect. We also take care of flowers, full decor, stuff like that. So sometimes it's a little bit easier to for clients to come to us because they can get, you know, 80% of their vendors all in one house. Um, yeah, so it makes it easier. And especially so I, with vendors too. Like say if, if, if you come in as a DJ, do you want to deal with one person that takes care of like 90% of the things or do you want to deal with eight different vendors all across the board and the major D, you know? Not at all. <laughs> exactly. So, so I got married at Fort Kirk 2018 mm -hmm. um, and uh, Tommy over there is great. Yep. Uh, and the staff over there is awesome. And, you know, me and my wife quickly learned that, uh, you know, I think our guest list started at like 250. And after sitting down with Tommy, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be 175, uh, <laughs> 175 a person. We were like, oh, well, let's go back and kind of yeah. reevaluate, you know, yeah. who, who. Let's go back to really let's talk about the people we haven't talked to in about three years. And then, exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I, I will tell you, um, you know, for Kirk, uh, they, they have in-house in catering. And, uh, you know, my guests were like so amazed with, they had a heavy cocktail hour, mm -hmm. right? And the food just kept coming. But, you know, I didn't realize it. And we do things a little bit differently in Virginia. So um, that 175 does include an open bar, correct? Yeah. So that's, so that's already included in the price. Yeah. And you got to figure for some places that have to do it separately, there are places that are $20 a person open bar for, a, you know, the five hours that you're there, five and a half hours. And then there are some that will charge 30 per person per hour. So you kind of, yeah, there are some, um, you have wow. to really, when you get packages, you have to literally tear it apart ask any question possible. No question is a stupid question. And just, you know, especially when you want to move to a contract, you have to tear apart every sentence of that contract and have a lot of, you know, what ifs and a lot of, um, let's say this happens. How do you deal with that kind of thing? Um, I, you know, I go over contracts very thoroughly, sorry, with my clients and, I tell them like, ask me any question from the top of your head. If not, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to bring up what other couples have brought up and we'll go from there. So, so let's talk about that menu a little bit. Sure, um, absolutely. You know, what I've noticed is uh, chicken, steak and fish are, you know, the most popular 
yep. main courses. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, and uh, I think this day and age, you're going to see a lot of um, customization. Um, a lot of people want their favorite foods in one way or another, whether it's a station, whether it's like a, a, a course added into it. Um, even though, yeah, chicken, fish, steak, those are your three main. Uh, be prepared to see a lot of um, vegan, vegetarians, uh, gluten-freeze, you know, non-dairy, non-wheat, non-soy, like we've seen it all <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think what else. We see like people love stations as far as, you know, doing mashed potato bar or doing like an entire seafood station or just an Italian station. People want uh, their wedding fully customized based on their favorite foods. So, so I'm glad you brought that up, right? That wasn't even on my list of questions, but can you talk about the different styles of, of catering you could do? So you could do buffet, you could do plated, you could do family style, you could do stations. Is that it? Did I, did, did, yeah, did I pretty much. Um, a lot of people like to see live stations. So whether it's someone like a, an actual station of like a walk station cooking right in front of your guests and you kind of cook everything, you par cook, and then you light it up uh, right in front of your guests and they get, they form a line and they get a little piece of what everyone's making. It's form entertainment almost. Yeah, right? like... exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's all the bells and whistles and, you know, it, people Not... like that. People want to be entertained. Now, is there a different in pricing if you do stations rather than uh, uh, Sit down? plated and, and yeah? So typically, style? the pricing goes buffet, then stations, then sit down, um, and then actually, let me start over: uh, buffet, stations, sit down, family style, because mm. family style is basically just keep bringing food out. And, you know, as people are just sitting and they can say at any time, give me more, give me more, more. give me more, <laughs> Where, you know, plating is just a lot more service ended. So there's just, everyone gets what they've ordered, a full plate of that. And that's what it is. And then stations, even though they're on the buffet and stations, there's just a ton of food. It's not as heavy on the personal service, even though they get service, they get the hospitality. Um, you're going up to get the food. Um, so nobody's necessarily like basically feeding you <laughs> at your table. Uh, we see a lot more of that just because most couples have been a slightly a little more casual on what they, they want a big party. Um, they've, I think, been to years and years and years of the super traditional sit down and they want um, stations and buffet. There's just more food available to you, more food options. Now. Um, do you think that having a buffet style dinner and having a plated style dinner, does that affect the, the, the flow of the mood of the wedding? Um, sort of, I think the people who, and this is just my observation, the people who have been doing buffets and plated, or I'm sorry, buffets and, uh, stations, stations. are also the same people who want to get out on the dance floor the, the first, the first they can. They want to, they are high energy. They like to be moving around a lot. Um, I don't, I see that with seated dinners, you know, depending on how many courses, you're just in your seats a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, then you're just too heavy to get up. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You've eaten too much. You're too heavy to get up. You got to loosen up a little bit. You got to take a little bit more time. And then you might not spend as much time on the dance floor as you want. So I've just seen a lot more energy from buffet, buffets and stations. Now, the reason why uh, plated dinner is more expensive is because you need more staff. More staff to... and they do get a decent size, like a fairly large portion on each plate. Um, mm -hmm. But there's just, when you do a seated, there's more staff per person, per guest than any other service, both front of the house, which is your like wait staff and back of the house. So I actually need more staff in the kitchen to get those plates mm. out to, you know, make sure that each table gets the right amount of, you know, protein, starch, veg, then, you know, the plate gets uh, what we call wiped down. So it's perfect. And then in the shortest amount of time, that plate has to get to that table so that it stays hot. So getting married in New York was a lot different. I've done hundreds of weddings yeah, in Virginia, Virginia, right? Virginia, yeah. So I noticed that, um, you know, the cocktail hour was kind of the same, but when it came to the dinner, it was, uh, I guess the guests weren't as hungry because it was a heavy cocktail hour. I don't want to say heavy, but yeah. it was New York, we do a ton of, ton, of, ton of cocktail hours. So usually when I write the scripts for like the maitre d's and for the flow of the wedding, if there is a heavy cocktail hour, I make sure that there is a fairly decent dance set um, after the in, the first dance, just to get them moving. Because otherwise, they're just they're you see you want to see people dancing and eating and drinking the same amount rather than eating eating eating, drinking drinking drinking, and then I got to deal with this later. <laughs> you know, so yeah. we try to get them up and moving a lot. So the flow was a little bit different where after cocktail hour, after the first dance is dancing, then it's dancing for like maybe 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Then they sit down. Then you have the first, the first course well, come out. Well, so regardless of what happens, um, once they move from cocktail hour yeah. to, to the reception, as soon as they walk into the room, there is salad on the plate. But so we always make sure that there is food in front of them, no matter what, but it's their choice to, to take it. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a mandated sit down. Um, once the music of, we want people to have the option to keep moving and we're not going to clear the food until, you know, they say it's okay to. Uh, we do see a lot of people like forego the salad just so they want to, you know, be out roaming around and, and whatnot. Um, if it's a traditional sit down, the salads will still be on it, but we'll clear for possibly another course before dinner. So it's just more attention to detail on the tables um, than anything. And, and, and Tommy also served some, uh, I don't know if it was sherbet, something to clean your palates. Oh, uh, that was completely, yes. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a sherbet to cleanse your palate. And you're like, yes. where half the people, <laughs> why am I getting ice cream? And the other right, right. like, why is this bitter? <laughs> it's usually like lemon. It's usually like something acidic uh, just to fully cleanse it. So that whatever you have for your entree doesn't taste like what you had on your first course. <laughs> ah, okay. So what should couples consider when investing in a catering company? I think that you should definitely consider if your caterer is able to be customizable. If your caterer sticks to like one package and one package only, like this is what you get. I don't care what your favorite foods are. I'm not adjusting on price. I don't care 
that COVID-19 is happening and you both were, you know, possibly unemployed. And, you know, if your caterer doesn't make any considerations, I'm not saying they have to change the things, but if they don't consider anything, it just might not be the right cater for anybody. Um, you want your wedding to be as unique as yourself. So mm. find someone that is going to, you know, make your favorite foods, make this all about you guys, because, you know, how many shots at this do we have? You know, how much, how much time, how much money, how much um, investment do we want to make in this cater? Um, also, like, stalk them. I'm saying them in the nicest way possible. Uh, stalk your caterers. If, you know, if, if they're not on Instagram, if they're <coughs> how do you know what they can produce? Mm. You know what I mean? Um, if they don't give back to communities, how do you know that they're you know, you want someone that's extremely well-rounded and is not in there just to make money. Um, find out the places that they've catered, find out the reviews that they had, find out where else that they're preferred vendors. Because if you're a preferred vendor from a venue, that means that that venue actually likes working with you. Um, and it also shows that you have a range where you can cater um, outside, inside, you know, they kind of like to know that you're willing to go the extra mile for their wedding and not just be there to throw food out and leave. Um, you got to also know your caterers, you know, up to standards. Are, are they clean? Are they, um, do, are they knowledgeable about things? Um, are they willing to work with you on any of your ideas that you might have? I know caterers who are like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I know, and I myself were like, I will do anything you ask me to, as long as, you know, we have a mutual understanding of respect, you know. So you just have to kind of weed out a few people. Do your research. Don't just go to a place because it's pretty. Um, you know, I, when you invest into a caterer or a venue, you're, once you sign that contract, it's possibly you're working with them for anywhere from six months to, to two Twelve. years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, six months to a year. So you, you're going to build a relationship with them and you have to feel comfortable. If from the first moment you meet them, if you're like, eh, I don't know, and then you continue, <laughs> then or and you keep having that feeling, it's maybe not, shouldn't have ever happened. You know what I mean? Um, I do enforce meeting your vendors, whoever they are, but definitely your cater face-to-face. -face. And if you obviously can't do that during this time, have a video chat with them. You want to know that they're real, that they're like, I'm not saying that every caterer has to have a personality, but like I said, <laughs> or you're going to have to deal with them for <laughs> six to, you know, it eight helps. It, help, it helps if they have a personality because then, you know, you kind of get to know them on a little personal level. Um, you have to also know that they're reachable. If, mm. you know, whether it's by email by text, by phone, however, but you got to know that they, they're available to answer any questions. I know some people who are like, put rules on, you can only contact me during these hours, during this time, and we can <laughs> only meet for three times before the wedding. Oh my God, it's not going to work for, yeah. I mean. <laughs> exactly. There are people out there like that. There, there are, and it's crazy. Um, you have to also know what, what gets included. Like if there's linens, if there's beverages, if there's like any decor, if there's a maitre d', if, if what. You have to make sure that your vendors, regardless of who they are, are willing to go the extra mile for you on your wedding day. Because if you get that treatment, you know that everybody else along the line is. And, you know, I think a lot of people operate on word of mouth now. So 
you just have to make sure like we were talking about reputation is the biggest thing you you gotta always put your best foot forward and see what comes out from there so a catering company may do several weddings in a day correct yeah i mean you you try not to um it gets exhausting like from a catering point of caterer's point of view i'm like i the sheer thought of that is just uh, (laughs) like i try not to um the only time i may is if the two people that ask just happen to be very close friends and i'll i'll have one team there and i'll have another team another place um and i just do my best to go in between and i plan everything to a t um and i go over everything with both teams very carefully so i can instantly say go um, there are venues that can do up to three events a day. Um, and there are venues who say not only one wedding a day, but one event per day. Um, try to stick with something like that just so that you have time to even, and to drop off your stuff, your decor. A lot of people in this day and age are doing DIYs, like uh, storage facilities full of, full of them that they bring to the wedding venue for that day. So you want to make sure that like, you're not just another part of the puzzle, like a part of the day puzzle that, you know, your vendors are, especially your venue and your caterer are going to take the time to meet with you, to answer all your questions, to set up the stuff that you want. And hopefully it doesn't leave you and your parents and your maid of honor and bridesmaids to do it all and and whatnot for you. So is that important? Is that an important question to ask? How many weddings? are you doing in a day yeah and it's also important to say like i i do know a venue that does a lot of weddings in a day and they are a powerhouse in this industry but they are the same venue that will say if you have any decor like personalized menus or centerpieces or um things that have to go on the tables we are not going to touch any of that for you so you your family members have to do it the day of because we are not touching that so yeah yeah and there are people like I will like, yeah, bring it all to me. I will set it up. I know how, how it's supposed to look. I can take care of that. I have a floral background. So if any centerpieces are like, we're looking weird right before the wedding, I'll, you know, I'll fix things. Um, sometimes they say no, just for like liability issues. And just because they don't want to be held accountable if they do something that the, the couple doesn't like. But to say no, that you're not even going to try is you know, you're already cutting yourself off. Right, right, right. Which is, which is, you know, that's why you should hire a planner. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And, and, and outsource that to the planner and not even have to deal with it. So, so with that being said, right, um, I know some venues uh, have preferred vendors, uh, some preferred catering vendors, and some venues require that you use, I guess, their vendors or their catering um, mm-hmm. rather than going outside. Can you talk? Yeah, I mean, the there's obviously plus and minus to it. If a venue is saying that you prefer their caterer, maybe because it's the best situation there is for that specific venue. If they're saying you must use this DJ and must use this, <clears throat> that's kind of like, a lot um just because what if you don't fall in love with the preferences of any of those vendors but you but you absolutely love the venue um i will tell you that there's a million venues out there (laughs) so find the ones where you can bring your favorite vendors in one place and you know don't get hung up on like the venue of your dreams 
because there's probably another one coming up in another two months <laughs> in this in this area. Um, I think what makes the best wedding is if you have all your favorite vendors in one place because they're all going to cohesively work together. Um, but that's not to say if there's a venue that says use our cater, use it, try them out, see how it is, and see where you're willing to make uh, compromises here and there. And the reason I bring it up, uh, some venues won't allow you to bring in your own caterer. It's not. Yeah, which not which I I've been, on, I've been on the side of that where you know I've catered for like specific families for years, and you know then they go to get married and they fall in love with the venue. They'll also still most venues who don't allow other caterers will allow like cakes in from that uh, from other venues, or allow you in some way to be present. Um, if they do allow you in some way to be present, you just have to, as any business, have business liability insurance and, you know, just a good track record. And like I said, if, if the couple really, really wants you, they'll make a decision on it and, you know, either have you involved maybe in the rehearsal dinner some way and some other venue or choose a venue that works for, for everybody. Now, now, why would a venue do that? You being a former... Mm -hmm. um, you know, restaurant owner, why would a venue not allow a couple to bring in their own, uh, their own catering vendor? Does it have to do with liability issues or yeah, logistics there's, there's also uh, reputation. So for example, I'm also the executive chef at, um, Otterkill country club and okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Otterkill hires my company to produce all the events and to take care of all the food. Um, this is the first year that we're doing all of the food every other year. We've just pr been producing events and writing the menus. So this is like a plan that's been in place for now three years. So to eventually, you know, to take over and whatnot. So everything that I do is very calculated <laughs> and it just doesn't come out to the public till, till much later. So with Otterkill, we allow other caterers, if it's a, if it's a food, that I do not specialize in. Mm. And I'm very understanding about that. So if they bring in like, say like a dessert or something like that, yeah, that's fine. As long as the person who made it has liability insurance and is a professional. I'm probably going to say no to like Aunt Becky's cookies, you know? <laughs> 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 because this day and age, if someone gets sick from that, they're going to sue the venue. And they're going to say, right. well, I ate all the other courses, so it must be the venue, you know? Um, and then usually what, you know, what would happen is the health department does like an investigation and takes up a lot of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've had a lot of weddings on premise where, that were uh, Indian and Pakistani. So we allowed those caterers to come on site with all of their paperwork and gave them full access to the kitchen. Uh, our staff was still here because we still, uh, a lot of those caterers don't have their own wait staff. So we would still serve all the food. Mm. They serve, um, they do all the cooking and then we make sure that mm. everything is still done to the standards because at the end of the day, regardless of who's catering, this, uh, the guests that leave are gonna say, oh, you know, they're still going to have opinion of the venue, and that's where the reputation lies. So we're, co we're coming to the stretch, Aaron. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I've had you on here for like 45 minutes, right? So uh, when it comes to investing in a catering company, 
Uh, you have obviously the waiters, a bartender, an assistant, and then you as the, the head chef boss. Is, is that kind of like the structure? Um, yeah, so usually uh, when, I, when I cater, I, hire, I have on my staff a maitre d' so that I can fully stay in the kitchen. And my maitre d' is all eyes on the front of the house is what we call it. Um, they take care of the bridal party the parents and just make sure that everybody is being taken care of complete, completely. Um, I work out timing with that person. So if like, for example, that maitre d' with work with you, which I'm sure you're very experienced with working with maitre d's at different venues. But if like the bride and groom need 10 extra minutes before they get announced, they're going to come to you telling you like they need a little bit more time. So maybe just keep playing music and then I'll <laughs> come get you. Right, 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 right. Yeah so that you're prepared for it. And then they'd run to me and say, the bride and groom need 10 extra minutes to hold off on the first course. That's like where the communication is. So I can direct an entire wedding for X amount of hours without even leaving the kitchen. Cause I just will know what's happening based on the staff that I hire. Um, but yeah, it's usually the kitchen myself and the kitchen staff and all the support staff for that. Um, the maitre d and captain and then the service staff from there. So the waiters, the buses, busers, runners, bartenders, and whatnot. So it's a, usually it's <clears throat> at least 20 people that, that make, put it together on my end. Yeah. Or just the catering end. Just on the catering, <laughs> yeah. 20, 20 minimum? <laughs> 20 yeah. minimum? Oh Probably 20, if the wedding's under 50, we're going to be a little less. You right, know? right, right, right. So, so for, for couples that are listening that are not in the New York market, what's a maitre d'? They're probably like, maitre d' oh, so is another word for um, event coordinator. So yeah. it basically the maitre d' not only makes sure that the bride and groom or the, the couple, uh, married couple, gets everything that they need and want, but also makes sure that your bridal party is attended to, that your, both sides of the parents are attended to, that also makes sure it's a tough job that makes sure that everybody's where they're supposed to be. You know, you know, if the maid of honor is just, yeah, you know, talking a lot at the bar and she's got a speech in six minutes, that makes sure to be like, you got six minutes up, please prepare yourself. Please stop taking those shots. Right. <laughs> we, need you, we need to get you up to the, uh, you know, to get ready for your speech kind of thing, or like to grab the, the father of the bride and say, you know, two minutes till you're, till you're dancing with your daughter, you know, stuff like that. Or, and they're also that person's like, okay, your boutonniere is wilting a little bit. Let me fix it. Um, let me hold your bouquet so I, I can help walk you to this for your, your photos. So everyone communicates with the maitre d'. Maitre d' is pretty much the boss of the front of the house. Mm -hmm. So they're visible at all times, there to help you no matter what. So what separates your company from other catering companies in the Hudson Valley? Cause uh, you're just killing it. You're rocking. I would say that I, uh, I'm deeply personal, um, without being too personal, <laughs> for example. Um, I would say, you know, the first week of COVID-19, we contacted every single, uh, client that we had. It took us a couple days, but we got through our entire list and said, this is what's happening. This is what's happening in New York right now. We're here call us at any time. This is what we foresee. This is what we hope doesn't happen, but please be prepared for a plan B. Um, we don't know how long this is going to last. I think I had my messages out there before 
uh, any shutdown happened. So my clients were pretty like new upfront of any certain certainty. Um, and, you know, we were answering emails and questions and video chats. Like we've been still been doing it around the clock just so that they're not lost. Um, because in this time, it's really easy for vendors to just disappear. So we didn't want to be that. Um, I've had a lot of talks with a lot of clients and just kind of, you know, assuring them, like, I'm the type of person that if you need to reschedule this, yeah, it's going to hurt my business, but I'm not here for that. Um, we're here for you guys. Uh, I pivoted my company in a way where we were just uh, private caterers, but now we're doing meals to go during the week. And that has completely sustained us. Uh, so we're here for the clients and no matter what and getting meals to wherever they need to be. Um, I. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I think that what makes me different is that I, you know, answer people and I'm there for them and you know whatever random question they could have I get texts as early as six o'clock in the morning I get texts as late as like one o'clock in the morning from people who are worried about their events um you know it's usually followed by let's talk in a few hours <laughs> but I'm there and I'm answering it let me get my coffee first yeah <laughs> so I'm ready for these you know but yeah it's just all about being there for them i think like i said i i know a lot of vendors that disappeared on a lot of my clients just you know because they were worried about you know if if they have to give back deposits or if people cancel altogether what kind of job that they have and i think our job was always for the clients and you know regardless of what happens you'll always find a way to make things work yes. and i think um that is kind of what separates me from from others you know i'm willing to work with anybody especially I don't just shut out any other vendors. So I've always made that pretty clear. Like if your vendors need to chat with me uh, on stuff, I'm definitely here for any advice or just to kind of work through the process to make sure that the, our clients, our mutual clients are having the best time. So last question, Aaron, sure. how does, how does somebody book your services? Oh, so just uh, give me a call. <laughs> so it's uh, 845-551. 5760 is my uh, phone. Text is the easiest only because I'm usually in the kitchen and need both hands. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get back. To you haven't mastered the one hand cooking yeah. yet? Yeah. No, I haven't mastered that. Maybe next week. We'll see. I got some, uh, some, some time now. <laughs> working on it. Um, email. Uh, they can go right on the website, see my stuff. Uh, it's uh, www.ytbevents.com. Um, and just go through there, Instagram and Facebook is the same at YTB events. So first step, get in contact with you, set up an appointment. Yep. Um, once the appointment is set, then you guys will discuss, um, I'll go through the entire menu, how things work. I do a ton of payment plans based on their financial situation. So if like some people like to pay as if it's a rent check, so once a month, um, so that by the time it comes to the week of the wedding, they're not handing out 8,000 large checks for all the vendors. Yeah. Um, so we work with, we're very flexible, you know. And when it comes to your packages, not only catering, but also decor, decor wedding planning, florals, slip the planning, officiant in there. The officiant. <laughs> I will stress that I, I prefer to officiate once I get to know you. So don't, yeah, yeah. it's like not, you know, right off the bat. 
It's it's typically I did it typically, or I decided to be efficient for those clients who during this time couldn't get um, you know they can't get married in churches, they can't get married uh, in places that they want to, but they know they want to get married right then and there. So it's just to help them out. But I'm you know I'm here for to, I'll marry like you know anyone over there you know outside. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, so Ellen, uh, any last words for the couples? I would say just, you know, take a deep breath, take your time, really figure out what it is that you want to represent yourself at your wedding. Whether it's your favorite foods, whether it's your favorite colors, whether it's that, know that anything is possible. Um, if you find the, you just have to fight and find the right vendors to make sure that it all happens. Um, and don't stress out. I mean, it's going to happen no matter what. But like I said, if you find the right vendors, you're, you're going to be doing the least amount of work. Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. You're the boss wedding and events. You're amazing. Thank super, you. Super excited to work with you in the future. Absolutely. And, um, listen, we're gonna get through this, and uh, we're gonna come, we're gonna come across on the other side. All right. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate it. Talk to you All soon. Right, take, take care. All right. Bye bye.